they weren't, so we cheered for Shani. We cheer, <laughs> we cheer for our own. So, hey, so then we're just going to tell you a story, and then we're going to do something in just, just a minute, and then we'll, we'll just see where the rest takes us. I know we're going to do an update tonight on the, on the 2020 vision. We're going to make a big announcement about who the campus pastor is going to be. We're going to do some giveaways. We're going to get to all that. We'll see what happens with the message. We, we may or may not get to that. You might have to grab that off the podcast in Williamsburg, or we'll just reshuffle the series a little bit. But, but I know that there's some people here that God wants to speak to tonight. And so, you know, I was thinking, I was just praying during the worship about how to kind of launch into it. And so I, I want to tell you a little bit of a story. And, and uh, the, the, because, because for some of you, you're going to have to be willing to be conspicuous in a few moments, and that's going to make you uncomfortable. So sometimes we've got to be willing to be seen. And that's not always easy. It's not always easy. Sometimes it can be funny. Yeah, I, this week, I was uh, on Monday, I, I was splitting wood. I grew up in the country, and so uh, even though I'm a city boy, the, the country is still in there, and one of my favorite things to do is split wood, and so we had this tree that was going to be taken down. They got taken down in the fall, and uh, I don't know who plants a tree right next to the house. I kid you not, but like, we go to see the house that we're now living in. We're like, who plants a tree there, right? And as it's growing, who can't see that you could just pull it up when it needed to be, but obviously they didn't, so we had to pay an insane amount of money to have that thing taken down. And so I said, hey, just lay it down. Just, if you could just cut it up into chunks and just lay it in the yard, and then because I want to be able to split it. And, uh, and they said, okay. And, and, uh, and so on Monday, I was making a second run at that. And so I'm learning that even though there's still country in me, the country in me now that I'm 48 has got to be different than when I was 18. <laughs> Right, and so I'm picking up these really big pieces. We're in a superhero series, right? And so I'm trying to get them up a little higher so I can split them. And then I did something weird to my back, and it's still a little bit weird. And so, so on on Friday afternoon, I'm I'm doing some card shopping, and I'm in Harris Teeter, and I'm looking at the cards. And of course, the ones that I'm interested in are in the bottom. I cannot bend over. This is a true story. I can't bend. So 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 they're on the bottom row. And, and I'm looking there, and I'm thinking, I, I really want, so this, I can't, I'm thinking to myself, should I ask someone to help me? Should I, could you get that card for me? But then I realized if I would turn sideways and start slowly. If you were in Harris Teeter on Friday, I was that guy. I kid you not. And I'm going down, and I think to myself, if my shoes give way, I'm in trouble, right? Because I can't do the splits anymore. And I would get all the way down and get the card, scooch back up, look at it, and I would be thinking, that, please, God, let this be the one, right? But it wasn't. So I have to get back down. Because I'm the guy, just so you know, I know some of you aren't, I have to put the card back into the slot I got it from. Thank you. Thank you. So for all you people that don't do that, right, you pull the card out, and they're all different behind it. That robs us from our choices. So stop sinning. It's bad. So I know people are walking around going, what is wrong with that guy, right? But I'm just thinking, I don't care, right? I'm willing to be conspicuous for the recipient of the card who needs this gift, right? To their, to, I'm, I'm telling that funny story. There's times in our lives, you've got funny stories. Maybe you've got some that aren't so funny where, where you're just, you say, I've, I'm going to be seen. I know I'm going to be seen. I can't control what other people are going to think of me, but I've just got to be in this moment. You're, some of you, are, I'm going to ask you to be in a moment like that in just a couple of minutes. So we're in this 
superhero series. And so last night, we, uh, we were waiting for our, our kids to get back from uh, the Andy Minio Lecrae concert down in, in Norfolk. And so they were with, uh, with RC. And, and, uh, and so we said, you know, text us when you, when you think you're about 30 minutes out and we'll, we'll head to the mosaic. And, and uh, so, I, you know, I've got I've, I've to stay out. We're, we're having a, a, Claire had her first sleepover. So we had these girls at our house. So I couldn't talk Vanessa into going, right? So it's my job to go get the boys. And Vanessa's going to stay there with the, with the girls. And, and, uh, and so I'm trying to stay awake. So I'm thinking, what I need to, so I'm going to watch a movie. So I'm flipping through the channels, and I'm thinking, maybe there's a good superhero movie on, right? Because we're in a super series. And sure enough, X-Men, Days of Future Past. Anybody seen that? It's my, I think it's my favorite one in the whole series. Out of the X-Men series, it was really good. So I, finished, I watched, it, watched it last night. And, uh, and in this movie, I won't tell you how it ends, but in this movie, they realize that, that they can send the consciousness of a person back in time to inhabit their former body and their younger self. Right? So you think about everything you know about history, everything you've learned through life experiences, skills. They were able to take that part of this person and put it in who they were years ago. It's a pretty cool concept, isn't it? And so I was thinking as I'm watching this movie, God begins to speak to me about this moment that I feel like we're supposed to do tonight in the service here is that, you know, this, this idea of time travel in science fiction is a prominent part in movies, and, and they do all kinds of creative things with it. Some do a good job, some don't. X-Men, they did a good job with it. Got to give them a nod there for some creative genius. So, but it got me thinking, what if we could travel in time tonight? Right? What, what if, what if we could travel in time tonight? What if, what if we realized that we could make this journey and we were just going to take turns and do it one at a time and right now is your turn? It's your, it's your turn to travel in time. And where we go, we go to the last day of your life. But we know when that's going to be and we know the moment it's going to happen and we, just, we take turns and we go, each one of you, form a line, one at a time, and we go to that moment. And we're standing there and we're watching you Think of a, a much older version of yourself. And you know you've just got a few breaths left. I mean just a few. And if you've ever been at somebody's bedside where you know they just have a few left, it's a powerful moment. Can you imagine if you could watch that moment of yourself in the future? And we're there, and, and is, it, is this going to be the last breath? Is, is there one more? Are there, are there two more? And for some of us, we would be smiling a smile that's bigger than you could ever describe. I mean, for some of us in this line, right, we're all taking our turn. We would go there, and when we would come back and say, it's now your turn, we would have this expression on our face of just wonder and joy and amazement. And, and we, would, we would be excited about that moment that's waiting, not to be morbid, but we would be excited about that moment that's waiting for us in our future because we know that in that moment, we're, about, we're really about to be born for the first time. I like to call this life being awake in the womb. You don't take your first real breath until you take your first breath, breath there after your last one here. Because for some of us, we're not afraid of that moment because we know what's going to happen. We know. We don't know the circumstances of how our end's going to come. We don't know when it's going to come. We don't know if it's going to be tomorrow or 50 years. We don't know. But for some of us, after it happens, we know. We know what's going to happen. 
We know where we're going. We know what eternity is going to be for us. We've been reading about it, learning about it, preaching about it, celebrating it. It's the message of our church, heaven now, heaven forever. And when we look into our future, we are not afraid of what we see because we know that we're going to glory. We know we're going to paradise. We know we're going to a place that's beyond description that science fiction, even at its most genius moment, cannot compare. But for some of you, you're here tonight, you would come back from that and you would step back into time and pass the baton to the next person and you would be pale. You would be frightened. You would be scared. Because you don't know what's going to happen for you after you breathe your last. Because you're not sure. Because you're not certain. You know that day's coming for, for you because it's coming for all of us. That's not a surprise to you. But what you do not know is after you breathe your last breath here, you don't know what's going to happen for you there. And what I would say to you tonight is that you don't have to live another moment of your life like that. Not ever. Not ever. You can be a person that lives the rest of your days, even if today is the only day you've got left, you can live it with a sense of excitement and a sense of confidence and a sense of enthusiasm that paradise and eternity is promised to you. So this is what I want to do. I'm not going to have the keyboard player come up and play, although we do that sometimes. Not going to have anybody bow their heads, although we do that sometimes. What I'm going to ask you to do right now is if you're a person, if you're a person, and then I'm just going to pray with you. That's all we're going to do. And maybe try to talk you into coming tomorrow morning to get baptized, but that's it. (laughs) I'm just saying, if you're here tonight, and as I was telling that story, and you know who you are, I remember being there when I was younger in a service just like this, my heart pounding out of my chest, right? Feeling like that God changed everything up just for me. You know who you are. You're here tonight. I'm just saying, if you're saying, Fred, if I were to travel forward in time with you right now and I were to stand in that moment and watch myself breathing my last breath, I really don't, I really, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm just going to ask you to stand up where you are. I'm serious. I'm just, pop up where you are just going to ask you to stand right where you are. I know it takes courage. I know it means being conspicuous. Come on. Come on. There's people popping up. Come on. If you're here, I'm just saying. Just saying. Somebody else. Somebody else. Come on. It's good stuff. It's powerful. Don't sit down. If there's, if there's somebody standing near you or if there's somebody who's not standing near you and you just want to, let's gather around those people who are standing right now. Let's just we'll pray with them. And I'm going to invite them to pray something with me. If you're not comfortable praying this prayer with me, that's okay. But let's all pray this prayer together, right? Even if you didn't stand, you, you pray this. You pray that. Let's all pray it together. Say, Jesus, when that day comes, I know where I'm going. I'm coming to be with you. Because in this moment that is real, that's not pretend, I make a vow and I promise my life to you because I believe that you're God's son, that you died for me 
so that I could live for you. And for the rest of my days, I give you my life. All of my life. Not part of it. All of it. Lead me. Guide me. Correct me. Show me. In your name, I pray. Amen. Come on, can you give something up for those people? stood up and, and prayed that prayer tonight. Before you leave, make sure you see somebody in a blue shirt. They've got a book that they want to give to you. Uh, if, if you've gotten one of those books before, take another one and give it to somebody else. Are you with me? And, 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 if, and if you want to talk to somebody about that prayer, we're here for you. If you want to join us for the baptism tomorrow, if you've never been water baptized, you feel free. Get in touch with us. We'd love to make that happen for you. There's always room. It's a big pool. Come on. We can fit you in there. So if you need a ride there, just like Jew said, we will pick you up. We will take you there. We'll get you home. We'll do whatever it takes to make that happen, to make that happen with you. So we're just, we're excited about, um, we're excited about just saying, God, in these times where we gather together, tell us what you want to do, even if it's different from what we plan, right? Come on, because we want... We want God to have his way with us. And so what, we, what we're trying to teach you to do as a, in your life individually, we know that sometimes the way that lesson is learned is because you see it practiced corporately. You see it practiced corporately. And so part, part of this journey as a devoted follower of Christ as well, it's not just about this moment, although once that moment happens, heaven is promised to you, but, but it's also about now everything that's going to happen for the rest of your life between this moment and that between this moment and that. And that's why we're, we're going to get to, in a little while, the, the message of our church is heaven now, heaven forever. That you've stepped into that moment, and if you did it with sincerity, the heaven of, of, of forever, that's promised to you, but, but the heaven that's now, that, that's dependent upon how you now choose to live the rest of your life. So, All right, let's, you want to do some giveaways? Let's do some giveaways. Let's do some giveaways. So one, these, you like these? I know. These are, I know, magnets, City Life, little City Life swag. I know, I know. So, so these, they're not all the way in yet. So this is just a little bit of a teaser. We, we've got, so our new members packets, when people join City Life, we've got a, a, a packet that we're putting together for them going from now on. And so they're going to get one of these. But we've, we've got another batch on order that we're just going to sell. We're just going to break even on them. I think we're selling like a dollar a piece just to cover our costs. But I'm going to give this one, this first one. I know Pedro's not here, but I think I saw Danielle out here. Is today's Pedro's birthday? Today's Pedro's birthday, so come on. So you can just pass that back, pass that back until it gets to Danielle. All right. So if you see Pedro, you can give him a big happy birthday. And then I think we got some, some superhero stuff to give away. Do we not? So I thought I had it, so I was just kind of roaming around before the service, trying to pay attention to who was wearing, wearing what. And so my, my, uh, my first place has not been displaced, but my second place has. It has, because if you're wearing a mask, I mean, what, what are you going to do, right? So I've got, I've got a Captain America keychain right here for Captain America mask back here. Come on, there you go, there you go. It's got the matching t-shirt. Well done. Well done. Come on. If that makes you uncomfortable, then we're not the church for you. 
because we love it. Because we love it. So, so let me do this one too. I'm going to do, this is the, uh, the DVD Man of Steel, the, the most recent Superman movie, which was pretty good. It was pretty good if you saw that, you know. They've, they've made a lot of uh, attempts to, to kind of recapture the glory of the first one, which is classic, and this was good. So, so you have to advocate for yourself here at the City Life Church because you're going to hear us say a lot of times there are winners and losers, and we like that, and so we're a little bit competitive. So, so people were coming up advocating for their, themselves to win before the service finding me. And so Kim Walls comes up, Kim Walls comes up, looks, just kind of stands there, looks at me, looks at her t-shirt, looks at me, looks at her t-shirt, looks at me, and says, you want to talk about real superheroes? That was good, right? Because she's wearing a United States Marine Corps t-shirt. All right, I know, I know. So she's getting first prize. Come on. Well done. Well done. What are you going to do, right? What are you going to do? I mean, is that not well played, right? So, and then I'm just, I'm just giving this. I hope this doesn't make you uncomfortable, but you have really awesome hair. So I'm just giving you a Starbucks gift card. Her and Monica were, were not so happy that anybody else came in because, because they had this whole row to themselves, and they were worshiping those first couple of songs the whole row, right? The whole row. They were like four people, and so I was like, all right, okay. All right, so. all right it's still just 6 o'clock, huh? Not bad. All right. God is slowing down time for us. He did that in the Bible. Maybe he's doing that for me tonight. So. Some of you are thinking, please, God, no, don't make it any longer than it normally is. That's not a miracle. You know, we're in this series, just did that one. In the series uh, about superheroes, I, we, we like the idea of this series because of what it says to us. Because, because superheroes, they're, they're super because there's some type of excess of power in their life. So even if you would get into the argument, well, you know, is, is Batman or is Iron Man, are they really superheroes, right? So, so, so Iron Man, there's an excess of science knowledge, right? Does that make sense? Now, you might still want to debate whether or not he's a superhero, but there's still a presence of excess. Batman, there's an excess of ingenuity and determination. And for everyone, there's still some type of extreme. There's some type of out of the ordinary more that's a part of who they are. Are. And then now they're also villains, right? And villains are the same. There's an excess in them. And, and the difference between the villain and the superhero is simple is that one uses their excess to serve themselves and the other uses the excess to serve others. And really that's our journey in this life as devoted followers of Christ is that God has given you and I the capacity for excess. He's given us, he's created us with the capacity to overdo it. The question is, which is why this tagline is what kind of hero will you be, is that are you going to use that capacity to serve yourself or are you going to use it to serve others. And so our life verse in the series, series is Galatians 5, to 23. It's one of the five great growth lists that we teach here at City Life that give us our 24 virtues that we believe paint a beautiful portrait of the character of Christ. And at the end of this particular list of virtues, there is the phrase, there is no law against these things. Meaning that God created you with a capacity for excess so that you could go over the top in things like these. 
all of us should be having an ongoing conversation with God about what am I supposed to do more in regard to those? How am I supposed to do less in regard to this? And how am I supposed to do none with that? Because that's supposed to change up for a lot of our lives. More of those, less of this, none of that. And there is no time ever in our journey where God's going to come to us and say, could you just stop being so stinking joyful? <laughs> right Now, other people might come to say that. Are you with me? You cannot go over the top with virtue. You, you cannot do too much of this. This is what the Holy Spirit is inspiring Paul to say. Hey, Paul, tell the world that the capacity of our excess that people have is so that they can be excessive in these things. And then there's so much of Scripture is to warn us of traps that we can find ourselves in, whether it's the temptation of the devil or the temptation of just our humanity, to point our capacity for excess in the wrong direction, and those are the traps that we're talking about in this series. Last weekend, we talked about overeating. This weekend, we'll see how far we get, but we're going to talk some. I think we'll be able to touch some of it. We'll talk about overspending. Then Pastor Jamie's going to do both campuses next weekend for overworking, and then I'm going to finish up both campuses on oversexing. These four areas are four areas where we have a tendency to use our capacity for excess in unhealthy ways. Eating, spending money, working, sex, all of these things, they're good things. If they're done the right way, at the right time, in the way that the Bible instructs us. We've tried to pick some things that, which I think are really some of Christians' greatest temptations, are things that are good if they're done the right way. You with me? And, and so what happens sometimes, especially when it comes to overeating, and if you weren't here last weekend, you should check out the podcast from either campus, is that, that, that we find ourselves as a church where we say, well, I know that I'm not supposed to do all of these things, so I'm going to put all of my, 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 my desire for, for being over the top with something that's socially acceptable, and oftentimes what finds a place of acceptance in the church. Let's not fall into those traps. Let's, let's just be over the top with the virtues and let's, let be, let's be measured in things like this and then let's have conviction to stay away from the things that are always enough. So let's, let's do a little update on our 2020 vision. If you've been tracking with us for any amount of time, you know that we came into the end of January, came into the end of January with a, with a challenge of what we felt like God was saying to us about what we were supposed to give ourselves to by way of a focus for the next six years. And we launched what we called a 2020 vision. And we said to you in January that, that we'll come back soon, uh, soon and, and give you an update on where we are. And so we want to do a little bit of that. We, the reason reason why we've paired it tonight is because that you're going to see in just a minute talking about this update is that there's going to be money that we're going to have to raise as a church to see this campus launched on the south side and so that's going to connect into this idea of overspending. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, I appeal to you dear brothers and sisters by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other and let there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. And so I shared in January that last summer when we were on vacation, I was studying this, this uh, the beginning of, of 1 Corinthians, and I really felt like God spoke to me and said, Fred, there, that City Life has a message vision, but it doesn't have a mission vision. Let's talk about that. And so for that week while we were down there, God just began to speak to my heart. And when we got back, we met with a governance team, began to talk with them. And it went through the whole fall. And it finally got to you in January at our anniversary service that our message vision is clear. It's heaven now, heaven forever. 
that we believe that when you make a vow of devotion to Christ, like some of you did tonight, come on, was that an amazing moment for us tonight. When you make that vow of devotion to Christ, that the heaven that's then is promised to you, but for so many devoted followers of Christ, they just, they just kind of wait for the end to come. But so much of what Scripture says, it's not just about the heaven that's waiting for the then, it's the heaven that's supposed to be now the heaven of today, and that has to do with our choices. And so we've got this whole discipleship model that we want to take you through. And if you've been with us for any amount of time, you know the 1, the 6, the 12, and the 24. We just did a series on it called Praxis, and you can get that online through our website. But if you want heaven to be in your now, it has to do with whether or not you're putting those things to work in your day and in your present. But then God began to speak to us as a leadership team and said, as a church, you guys need to have a mission. I want to talk to you about something I'm going to ask you to do, a focus. It's going to be during a specific amount of time, and, and, and it's going to cause maybe you to displace other things, not things that you're already doing, but, but it's going to become a filter when new opportunities come to you that you're going to say, if this doesn't fit into this mission, then we're not going to look at it. And so, so we're saying for the next six years, through the end of the year 2020, as a church, we're committed to planning more campuses and we want to see a school of leadership get started, which is going to start by way of an internship. So let me just give you an update by way of the internship. If you're tracking with us on social media, that's going to launch in September. The applications for that are going to be available in in May. Come on, if you're 18 to 30, if you're 18 to 30, that's what we're, we're, we're the, the, how we're going to start. It'll get wider than that as we move forward. But the, for this first one, we'll call it Praxis 9, Praxis after our discipleship model in 9, because it's nine months. The Praxis 9 internship is going to start in September. Applications are going to be available for you in May, and it's going to be awesome. There's a Bible track. You're going to go through all four of these tracks, Bible, leadership, discipleship, and life skills. There's two missions trips that are in there. There's practice. You're going to serve in every ministry of the church. It's going to prepare you for life and leadership. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. So that's underway. Teams working. It's going to be phenomenal. Going to be phenomenal. So let's talk about the Southside campus. You want to talk about that a little bit? So you know that we've made a decision as a team, which we shared with you in January, that the next campus for us, campus number three, is going to happen on the south side. We have not got a location that's locked in yet, but we know we want that to be a Saturday night. So we're looking for a church that's willing to partner with us, much like how the Mosaic does with us here. And so, uh, so, so that's going to be our first one, and then we're just going to see however many more campuses we can launch by the end of 2020. We don't know how many that's going to be. We're saying, God, you show us, find us faithful, and we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And so, so, so what we, let, me, let me tell you about who the campus pastor is going to be. Do you want to know who that is? So, so, so the campus pastors for the South Side are going to be Pastor Justin and Stephanie White. Anna? Anna? Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So, 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 so let me, let me, we're going to, I want to just talk to the young people just for a minute, because I know for them that this could be a moment of, 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 of mixed emotion. You're tracking with me? Because, because Juice is the first hire uh, that the church ever did, uh, that, that, uh, after, that we came on as the, as, the, as the lead pastor back in 2007, but soon after that, our first hire was for Juice to be our, our student ministry's pastor, and so he, he has been walking with a lot of these young people for a long time. And, uh, and so we know that for them, this can be a great moment of excitement, but it can also be a moment of, of a little bit of sadness because it's going to be a change. Now, we don't think that change is going to happen uh, 
until the beginning of next year. Uh, things could happen sooner, but it wouldn't happen before September, but we think it probably that changed. So they're going to be with you for, probably for the rest of this year. So we're, we're still trying to work that out. We're still trying to work that out. But what I want to say to you guys as young people tonight is that I'm going to talk to them about their money in just a minute, right? But we know that you don't really have any, and that's okay. But what you, but what you are in a position to do is to really make the greater gift. You're in a position to make the greater gift. And the greater gift is to release them into their destiny. The, the greater gift, and, and for some people, they're going to give a lot towards this campus by way of, of, of finances, but none of them are going to give as much as that you're about ready to give by to say, I'm going to let these people that I love, I'm going to release them into the call of God that is on their life. And it's going to be always remembered as the RC, come on, of 2015 made the greatest gift to date in the history of the church is to give them to the future of that campus. And so I'm just saying, come on, you can clap for that. So if you've got teenagers, if you've got teenagers that are in student ministries as a parent, right, this is your time to talk to them. They've got feelings about this thing. If you need us to come and talk with them, right, if maybe they're having a hard time, we're here for that. This is real stuff. These are real relationships. Now, we have a plan for what's going to happen after. We know who it's going to be. We've hired them. We can't give you that yet because they have other jobs and that can negatively affect them in their place of employment. Does that make sense? So what I would say is that when you can know, you will know. And when you do know, you're going to be excited. You're going to be excited because it's going to be good. And so I know that to some degree, I'm asking you to trust me for a time and a season. And so I'm asking you to trust me for a time and a season. That, that when, when God moves a dynamic couple like Juice and Steph to do something different, that, that Ephesians 3.20 is a verse that we talk about as a church all the time, that, that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or imagine. So when we move forward as a church with vision, when we move forward with vision, things, things go deeper and they get better, right? Does that make sense? Things go deeper and they get better as people step into their callings. And so we're hoping that sometime this summer that we'll be able to talk to you uh, about who that's going to be. And I know that's going to be another great moment of celebration for us as a church. And so just recently, just recently, uh, we, uh, I, well, we, I started by taking a budget, took a budget. We took a, a strategic planning team, began to meet, and we said, what's this going to cost to launch the Southside campus? And so the strategic planning team took that budget. We took it to the governance team. We took it to the finance team. We hammered out all all those details, and then we took it to the leadership of the church. We submitted that to them uh, just a few weeks ago, and, uh, and we're going to have a uh, next weekend, right? Next weekend after service, we're going to have our first informational meeting that if you're interested in the Southside campus, that you'll be able to come to that. And so we're going to do those for a couple of weeks, and so we can go into more detail about the budget then. But we think that it's going to all total, it's going to take about $210,000 to launch this campus on the Southside. And again, we can go into greater detail about those numbers at that informational meeting. We, we believe the church is going to be in a position to, to do 60000 of that out of savings and surplus cash, what we anticipate for surplus out of our budget for this year. So that leaves about $150,000 that we need to raise by the end of December. 
And so when you came in, you were given a card. If you weren't given a card, there should be a card that's on your seat that says 2020 Vision. It has the phrase beyond. We gave these to the leaders of the church a few weeks ago, and we said to them, hey, we want you to pray about what you feel like you're going to be in a position to give towards this money. And so the leadership of the church, we're about ready to cross over $70,000 in committed monies. Come on. Of the 150. It's amazing. It's amazing. And so what we're saying is we, we knew we wanted to get close to halfway because we thought between both campuses with everybody else, we would be able to make up that difference by the end of the year. Now, this is different from Faith Promise. Faith Promise is where we pray and God gives us a number and we have no idea where that money's going to come from. And then we trust that he's going to provide and when he does, we give it to Faith Promise and that funds our missions. And so many of you, you've done a Faith Promise, but, but, but that's a different thing because you're not sure where that's going to come from. This is different in the sense that we're asking you to take the next couple of weeks and really look at your finances and say, what can I do? right? So it's, it's, it's not based on a step of faith. It's based on a step of reality, based on resources that are available to you. And so for some of you, you might do a lump sum. For some of you, you might say, I'm going to give a little bit every month. For some of you, you might say, I'm going to do a little bit every month, and I'm going to do a lump sum together. And what we're asking you to do is put on that card the total amount that you're committing yourself to give. Do not put your name on it. We don't want to know your name. Nobody's going to follow up to you. The commitment's between you and God. But we need a solid number because we need to know what we're working with with to put this budget in place. Does that make sense? Because we need to make decisions about money that we need to spend, equipment that needs to be purchased, rent that we might have to pay up front, advertising that needs to be done for the south side. And so we can do this thing. It's within our reach. Believe it with all my heart. Been excited about it from the moment God began to speak to me last summer, almost a year ago. When we met as a leadership team, I walked them through two stories. We're not going to go through them tonight, but I just want to give them to you if you're... A note taker. <laughs> Hello. First Kings 17, First Kings 17 and Exodus 36. First Kings 17 and Exodus 36. Th these are important stories because there are times in our lives where God asks us to give. And sometimes he asks us to give when we're in a season of lack, and sometimes he asks us to give when we're in a season of abundance. And for some of you, right, you're in a season of lack. For others of you, you're in a season of abundance. And the mistake that we cannot make as devoted followers of Christ is to default into a mindset and a mentality that says, I will never give in a season of lack. Because what I found to be true in my life personally is that I don't really learn how to give in a season of abundance until I learn how to give in a season of lack. And in 1 Corinthians, in, 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 in 1 Kings, in 1 Kings 17, there's this amazing story. It makes me laugh every time I read it. I hope you read it for yourself. It's the story of Elijah. And Elijah comes up on this fan. It's a widow and her only child. And he says to her, hey, can you prepare a meal for me? And everybody knows who Elijah is. He's a famous prophet in the, in the land. And so she says to him, I can't. I, I don't even have enough food to feed me and my son. In fact, we're starving and, and I think we're close to death. Read the story. It's right there. And so every time I read it, I think what Elijah's going to say is, okay, I'll go to the next house. But he doesn't say that. He says, go and do what I say. 
And we read the story, we're like, are you kidding me, right? And so you read the story, and then all of a sudden, these incredible supernatural things begin to happen, and God feeds this family through this little bit of flour and this little bit of oil for days, and Elijah too, and then they build this amazing relationship, and then at some point in his future, Elijah comes back and raises this child from the dead. It's an incredible story. There are times in our lives where it feels like what God asks of us is unfair. I've been in that season. If you've been tracking our story for any amount of time, which we're going to tell probably maybe in a month or so, but with our journey with, with toxic Chinese drywall, losing our home, and the five-year journey we went on of living every day on the verge of bankruptcy, those were some of the most generous years of our lives. Because sometimes God asks you to give in a season of lack. And we've walked in that season. And we know some of you are in that season. So what I would say to you, if you're in a season of lack, I'm not asking you to do anything foolish. I'm not asking you to risk the finances of your family. I'm just saying don't fall into the temptation of saying there's nothing that I can do. That you would pray and that you would trust that God's going to show you the step that you can take. We're just asking everybody that calls this their church home to do something. If what you do is say, Fred, $20 is what I can give for the whole rest of the year, then you give $20. You with me? We don't want your name. Nobody's going to know what you're given. Just you with God decide what you can do. And for some of you, you're in a season of abundance. And, and for some of you, the season of abundance, you, you have a lot of resources available to you. This is part of this story that we're going to be telling. If you've been tracking this, we've been in the paper recently with what's happening with our case, with this toxic drywall that we lost our home with. We, we might be in one of the greatest seasons of abundance that we've ever been in our life and maybe the biggest one that, that, that we'll ever be in, ever in our life. And, and, and we're cannot describe the excitement and enthusiasm that we have to be able to do some things that maybe we'll never be able to do again by way of generosity. For some of you, you're in a season just like that. It might look a little different. The numbers might be a little bit different. But everything that God has given to you that maybe is an overflowing time of abundance for you, that what we're asking you to do is to maybe pray and consider that maybe all of that wasn't for you, that maybe some of it was for this. China has never paid in the history of the world a liability, product liability suit ever. And they're paying for the first time. And we're part of that. So I'm telling people God shook an entire nation for our 2020 vision. <laughs> shook a nation. Turned them upside down to see what would come out of their pockets. You might be in a season of lack. You might be in a season of abundance, but if all of us together do what we can, not asking you to do what you can't, because we're not that church. We're not that church. We're not that church. I say, let's do, let, if we all do what we can, we're going to raise more than the 150000 that we need. And then what our commitment to you as a leadership team is that we're not going to have this third stream of giving that's always tracking in our church, because that wears people out. Right? Because there's the normal stream, which is practicing priority percentage giving, which the Bible calls tithing. We believe in that. We practice that. So that's a normal stream. Then there's faith promise, which we do every year. There's going to be times and seasons where we step into a third stream, and then it's our responsibility as leaders to not do that all the time to wear people out. 35%. We don't look at the giving. The, the trustees and the elders look at those numbers every year to put some data together for us. Vanessa and I, we have no idea who gives what at this church. But we do know this, that 35% of the people that call this their church home between both campuses don't give anything. If just those 35% do start doing something, you tracking with me? It would change the day. Only 25% of our church, only 25% 
practices tithing, 10% of their gross annual income, just 25%. Now, both of those numbers, one's too big, one's too low. I, I know that because if we were to do a survey, if we were to hand out a survey for both campuses and say, how many of people believe that tithing is biblical? More than 50% of our people would say yes to that. I believe it. More than 50% would say yes to that. So we shouldn't have 25% that are only doing it. We just live up to the truth that you know. If we were to do a survey, and part of the survey were to say, if you call a church your home church, and you're there for an extended period of time, but you've never given anything, is that okay? I'm telling you, a lot less than 35% of people would say it's okay. So we're just saying, let's walk in the truth that we already believe to be true in our heart. And if those two things could happen, and then we all give what we need to give, I'm just telling you, we'll have what we need for the Southside campus, and we'll be able to put away what we need for the one that's going to come after that. And we're believing together as a church that that's what we're going to see. All right. I've got seven minutes. All right, let's do a little intro, and then I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a, maybe a synopsis, and then we'll see what happens tomorrow. I think I might be getting into the message tomorrow, and you can listen to the podcast for, uh, for, the, for, the, for the four questions that I want to teach you. Um, some, some people, if you're visiting tonight, and you're saying, you're saying to yourself, here, I'm at church again, they're talking about money, right? And, and, and so when you, when you study the Bible, just, let's just be fair for a minute. 16 of 38 parables of Jesus talk about money and stewardship and finances. One out of every 12 New Testament verses, verses talk about money and finances and stewardship. Now, I hope I got this less than, greater thing right, so I'm doing this from memory. I haven't taken math in a long time. But greater than 500 verses in the Bible deal with prayer. Less than 500 deal with faith. Over 2,000 on money and stewardship and finances. So I'm just saying as a church, we don't talk about money very much, and we probably don't talk about it enough. And we certainly don't talk about it as much as the Bible does. And the reason why it's a central part of the conversation is because God knows it's a central part of our lives. And, it, and, it, and, 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 and it's a central part that if it gets sideways, the whole rest of our life gets sideways. And so Jesus kept talking about it. God kept talking about it all throughout the Old Testament and all throughout the New Testament. And we want to be a church that talks about it not more than we should, but enough to give people the teaching that they need so that this area of your life doesn't become the excess that it's not supposed to be. And so these are four questions that I practice in my own life just my own personal life, what we as a family try to walk in in our own personal life when it comes to our finances so that we don't find ourselves in a place of excess that's unhealthy. If there's any excess that we want to be guilty of when it comes to our material resources is an excess of generosity, is an excess of giving, that we want to be excessive in the virtue, not excessive in the taking. Am I submitted? Not submitted to a person. We're not that church either. I'm talking about submitted in your relationship with God, that your relationship with God is a permission-giving relationship. Do you have a permission-giving relationship with God's Word? Am I submitted? Am I cheerful? And some of you are thinking, well, I could be cheerful if I didn't have to be submitted. But that's what it means to be cheerful, right? Is that I'm cheerful about everything that God asks of me, and I'm cheerful about everything that He tells me that I can't do. It's the attitude, it matters with God. It matters with God. If you're a parent, you know attitude matters. You're not looking for obedience that, that's just with a bad attitude. All right, I'm going to do it because you told me so, right? You're getting punished anyways because we're, we're, we're raising you based on your attitude, not just on your actions. 
God's the same way. Am I submitted? Am I cheerful? Am I expectant? And am I content? Am I content? So let me just talk with you about those, and then I'm going to have the worship team come up in in just a minute. This idea of being submitted is vital. When you make a vow of devotion to Christ, it's not just saying, Jesus, I want everything that you have for me that I like. It's saying, I want everything that you have for me that you like. I want everything that you have for me that you know is in my best interest. And there has to be an acknowledgement that he knows better. There has to, it's why the father-child relationship is so prominent in Scripture. It's trusting that God always has my best interest at heart. And even when it, it seems like he's wrong, he cannot be. And so I choose to walk in a place of obedience. There's a, there's a feeling of submission. When I read this book, there's a lot in here that says to me, you cannot do this, you cannot be that. And we say, I don't like that part. This is part of submission. It's saying, I want everything that's in here to rule over my life. And there's a lot in here that has to do with our material possessions. Psalm 24 opens up by saying the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It means everything in it belongs to him. We talked about that last week with overeating. When you begin to realize your body belongs to God, it changes the way that you begin to eat. With our finances, when you begin to realize that everything we have, every penny, every resource, none of it is ours. It's all his. And he's lent it to us to manage for him to execute his will. Am I cheerful? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. That idea of everything give thanks, we, we oftentimes pigeonhole that to mean in circumstances and situations. And when, when, and when it's a good day, when it's a bad day, I know that I need to be thankful for, for whatever it is that I'm walking through. It also means to be thankful for every command that God gives to us. So when God says, be submitted to me, when God says, be generous, when God says, set aside 10% of your gross annual income to give to your church that you call home, when God says to you in moments like this, like with this 2020 vision or with faith promise, and, 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 and it means living sacrificially for a, a time and a season, what he says to us is, be cheerful. There's, he cares about the attitude of our heart. There's something inside of me has got to say, God, it's, 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 I'm submitted, and in my submission, I'm glad that I get to be submitted to you. It changes our life. Am I expectant? It means that as you begin to walk in this place of submission and cheerfulness, that there's an expectancy that God is going to do amazing things in your life that are indescribably good. Psalm 27, 13, which is an anchor verse for us, I would have lost heart if I had not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Psalm 112, we're not going to get to that. I'm going to talk about it tomorrow, but you should read that if you've never read that before. It's just an amazing psalm that just goes on and on and on. Let me make sure I'm giving you the right one. Psalm 112, yeah, Psalm 112, on and on about the expectancy of the heart of the child of God. And, it, and all in it is all this idea about money and finances and stewardship. I'm living my life with a sense of expectancy. And what happens is my expectancy gets tested based on my circumstances. And you've got to decide whether or not you're going to let the promises of God or the reality of your circumstances control the outlook of your heart. 
When we realized our, we were going to lose everything and go on that five-year journey of living on edge of bankruptcy, we could either say, I'm going I'm to let my circumstances control my outlook, or am I going to let the promises of God control my outlook? When I'm submitted and I'm cheerful, I'm telling you, expectancy just grows on the fruit of the tree of your life, regardless of what my circumstances might be. And if you get all three of those things working in your life, you just kind of ease into a place of contentment. I, I believe in something that you might not. I believe in something called a material destiny. I think everybody, God's, God's got a, a plan for, for the material wealth that he's going to allow all of us to walk in. And it's going to look different for every person. And th- this idea of contentment is saying, God, I trust you with whatever material destiny you have for me. Because contentment at the end of the day has nothing to do with what you have. It has everything to do with who you believe God to be. And and when you believe that God is a perfect father, that he's the sovereign creator of the universe, and he's able to do everything that he set out in his heart to do, that whatever material destiny that you're going to live out, that you say, God, if this is what you have for me, then it's all good. Because it's the one you have for me. And because I'm your child and you're my perfect father, and you know exactly the life that I'm supposed to live, find me faithful. And when it comes to the money that's in our control and the material possessions that are under our authority, if we can learn how to ask ourselves these four questions for the rest of our lives, I'm just telling you, you're always going to do the right thing with your money. Whether it's keeping it for celebration, because God's all about that too, or whether it's giving it away in moments of amazing generosity, we're saying, God, we just want to walk in the steps that you have for us. Heaven now, heaven forever. Stand with me as I pray, and we're going to sing this song together. Father, we just we go back to that moment of, 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 of just the, the start of our time together of teaching and learning of those people that stood up. And I just, Father, let there be a sealing work that happens on their life as we sing this song. Let, let there be a, a, a sealing work that, 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 that God, your word says that, 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 uh, that, that when, the, when the seed of the gospel goes out, that a lot of things can happen. The devil can come and try to steal it away or it can get choked out by the cares of, of this world or, or maybe the roots don't go, don't go, go down deep enough and, and then all of a sudden challenges come. But, but then you talk about this seed that finds its way onto fertile ground, which we know is a submitted heart and the roots get deep and fruit just abounds. Let that be the story of every person that stood up tonight. Every person. Give them the courage to make the changes that they need to make. Father, help them to find the pace in this life as a devoted follower of you that you're calling them to have. Help them, God, to just, even right now, where they might have so many questions and have, have maybe have a few doubts, that there would be a stillness that would begin to well up inside of their heart. Just as Jenna said, that there's a a bond that can come between you and them that could never, ever come apart. In Jesus' name, come on, let's worship together.